What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Eikenoff of Pelicans.com and, and really pleased and happy to be joined by a very special guest today on the podcast. That is Dominique Wilkins, NBA Hall of Famer. Of course, his number 21 is retired by the Atlanta Hawks and me growing up in Marietta, Georgia. I had the pleasure of seeing Dominique at the, uh, at the Omni every single day. I had a chance to and it's really awesome to have him on the podcast today. Dominique, I really appreciate the time. How are you? No problem. I'm good. How you guys doing? Good, good, good. And I know uh, we don't know what the status of Zion Williamson yet, Dominique, but of course you were the nickname Human Highlight Film. And of course, uh, I feel like that might be the case with Zion Williamson a little bit. Obviously not to your, your stature yet, and he's only played in less than the season. But what have you made of Zion through his first year and a half in the NBA? Well, what Zion is, you know, he's a freak athlete. He plays with a lot of energy. And I think what Zion has proven to a lot of people that you can still be effective and not make a lot of threes. I mean, this guy you look up now, I mean, he's put together a string of games where he's been outstanding, 28 here, 30 plus there. I mean, every, every night he's putting up huge numbers. So it's proven that you can be effective in the lane as well as outside the lane. So I, I'm really happy to see his growth. And, you know, as he grows as a young man, he's going to get better and better. I'm glad he brought up uh, the fact that he stays in the lane more so because, of course, with the NBA now, it's all about three-point shooting and everyone's talking about how every team needs a stretch five or a stretch four. Uh, do you see that may not be the case anymore uh, with the fact that you well, see something like that? I mean, it's a luxury to have a stretch five or a stretch four, but at the same time, you know, some of those stretch fives and stretch fours don't have the production that Zion is having in games. So, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how you get them long as you get them, you know. And so he's shown that you can be very productive offensively where he get to the free throw line. He's getting inside. He's wreaking havoc on your defense. And basically what he's doing is he is creating advantage for himself because when you play inside like he does and you get guys, you know, one or two fouls on them early, you create an advantage for yourself. Now them same guys don't play you as hard. Uh, you know, we talk about Zion Williamson, of course, everyone wants to compare him to someone even so early um, in his career. And I know a lot of people here, uh, including myself, talk about how he's just kind of one and one. Do you see a comparison with him as far as someone that you may have played with? Or do you see, you know, not a comparison just because of how talented he is at, at such a young age? Well, he kind of reminds me of a guy I played with, Antoine Carr, who was talented athlete. He was an athlete, you know. Uh, Antoine and I came up since high school, and I've seen the player that he ultimately came with. When you talk about that size and, and able to have that type of athleticism, Antoine Carr was that type of guy. You know, we talk about uh, the highlights that Zion generates, and obviously he's one of the best dunkers in the in the league. I wanted to talk about, you know, you as a dunker and, and back in the dunk contest. I know you've probably, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but um, what was it like in terms of our people remember back to the eighties where some of the best players in the league also participated in the dunk contest. I mean, was it something that you guys took pride in it? It, it seems like it was kind of a different um, mindset as far as the guys that. Yeah, participated. Absolutely. We did. We wanted to compete against one another. Uh, we wanted to know who the best was and, and, and it really wasn't about us. It was about giving the fans uh, on All-Star Weekend, something to, to come to see and marvel at and, and appreciate. So all the great uh, high flyers got in it. And so, again, 
we love competing against one another. For whatever reason, these guys don't get the dunk contest. I, I, I can't tell you. Sure. And it's funny. I think when people look back at maybe the 80s, some of the greatest moments in the 80s of basketball were dunk contest moments, you know, ones that you participated in. So I think that's a good point as far as just enjoyment of fans and, and memories that they have. You know what? It, it, for us, it was just entertainment. You know, even though we wanted to win, it was entertainment. We wanted to put on a show and it was the event for All-Star Weekend. You know, everything else kind of took us a back seat to the dunk contest. Sure. You know, um, fast forwarding to, to 2021 Atlanta Hawks basketball, I was wondering, what do you think are some of the biggest changes or the biggest impacts that the Hawks have had based on Nate McMillan? Obviously, we're, we're pretty familiar with his son, who was an assistant coach here for a while. But what do you think are, have been some of the, the changes and things that they've improved upon since he took over? Well, he has gotten them to buy into a defensive principle. And that's the reason why you see us winning games where we might struggle offensively a little at times, but our defense gets us through, get us easy possessions, easy offense. So he's gotten them to buy into a system and he's really gotten Trey to embrace that point guard position where he is the team leader who can get everybody involved. Everybody knows Trey can score. He can do whatever he wants offensively on the floor, but now what he's doing, he's getting everybody else so comfortable in the way they like to play that now late in games, He's able to take over. I'm glad he brought up Trey Young. What have you seen from him and his growth um, from when he started in the NBA to where he is now, whether it's, you know, produ being productive, shooting, his, his passing ability, but also his leadership skills um, with such a young team? Well, you know what? I mean, everybody talks about his scoring, and he can score with the best of them. But where I really marvel and, and I'm very impressed with is his passing ability. His ability to see the floor is unbelievable. And he's starting to come into that leadership role where he's getting his teammates to, to follow him and, and, and let him be that leader because he is a cornerstone of this team. When you're looking at this team and where the Atlanta Hawks are, you know, right in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference there as far as the playoff standings are concerned, is this kind of what expectations were at the beginning of the season? I know you all didn't expect a coaching change for one, um, Obviously, the, the tough season with, with dealing with COVID and the schedule, you've seen some teams dealing with injury, but I kind of feel like the Hawks had a lot of expectations going into this year. Did you, do you see uh, the expectations succeeding or exceeding expectations, or you see them kind of where you expected them right now? Well, you know, to be honest with you, with you, I expect us to be a little further ahead, but, you know, due to injuries, always set you back. You know, you had John Collins injured. You had – you got DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish done. You got so many people hurt, and we still able to be in the position that we are now, fighting to to get four or five, you know, spot. That's the that's the goal. So, you know, I think we're doing great at this point. We set ourselves or put ourselves in a position to be very successful this season. But again, you guys got to take these games one at a time, and you can't look too far ahead. Did you learn anything about the previous matchup with the Pelicans? I know the Pelicans were really shorthanded, but also the Hawks were very shorthanded at the same time, too. So are we going into tonight's game with kind of a clean slate because you could get some guys back on each team? Well, you know, you, you get guys back, you know, it always changes the dynamic of your team. And the Pelicans are no different. You know, if they got a full roster, they can be a problem. 
before I let you go, kind of what do you look at as kind of the, the main points of emphasis tonight for either side? Uh, again, we don't know the status of Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson, which could change things. But, of course, Trey Young will be playing, and he didn't play in the game the other night. What do you see as some of the, the things to keep an eye out for in tonight's matchup? Well, it, I think, again, you'll see much more playmaking by by the Hawks, particularly with Trey Young on the floor. You know, he's your best passer, one of the best assist men, men in the league. So you're going to see – more ball movement, more activity from the Hawks for sure. Uh, from a from an offensive standpoint, the defensive principles are pretty much the same. Um, but, you know, the thing is that you don't want, and what we don't want is to have them power up points in the paint. That's Dominique Wilkins, NBA Hall of Famer. Of course, again, a number retired with the Atlanta Hawks and television analyst for the Hawks. He'll be on the call tonight uh, for Valley and Sports South there down in Atlanta. Uh, Dominique, I really appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you down the road. No problem, man. Thank you, guys. Well, there he goes. That's Dominique Wilkins, a very busy man, so we're excited to catch up with him for just a few minutes here on the Pelicans podcast presented by Seek. You know, of course, Jim, it, it's really hard to make comparisons and sometimes even unfair to make comparisons with Zion Williamson to some of the greats. I know statistically he's been putting up numbers that compare to the greats. You've seen his name in there with Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal and all that. So I was kind of curious, especially with a, a legend like Dominique, to kind of see what he says about Zion and kind of how he relates to, you know, maybe someone um, that played with him or some of the greats that play with him. So it was really interesting to hear what he had to say about Big Z. Yeah, and it's funny talking to him. You know, you mentioned his – we could be here forever listing his his credentials and his resume, but one of the funny things I also think about too is he also has a statue. It's not often yeah. – outside the arena, it's not often you talk to – somebody that has a statue outside of the, the building. But, but yeah, I mean, Zion, eventually one day, we hope that we can, we can put his name in the same category as Dominique Wilkins in terms of, you know, Hall of Famer and just the, the stuff that he's done in his career. But he's definitely off to an incredible start and very unparalleled. So hopefully we can get him back on the court soon. Yeah, we don't know about his status for tonight. Uh, same goes for Brandon Ingram. You do add Nikhil Alexander-Walker to the injury as he is out. And then you also add Kyra Lewis Jr., who's out. Um, but you do get Isaiah Thomas, who is available for the Pelicans tonight after joining the team on a 10-day contract. And we were able to hear from him earlier today, Jim. And one, he just – it was really nice to see how good he feels mentally and physically. Hasn't played in over a year. But, you know, in a, in a day like today where – the Pelicans are shorthanded, especially from the guard position. Uh, I think you're going to see a good chunk of IT tonight, depending, I guess, on how the game goes. Yeah, his interview was a like a one man enthusiasm tour. I mean, it was it was cool just to see how happy he is in general, just about the whole situation. I know that the last year or so has been really tough for everyone, but he's been out of the league. So that was what one of the things I took away the most from his shoot around interview this morning was just just to see him smile and, and talk about how how excited he is for the opportunity. You could tell that he's very appreciative of the whole situation. But in terms of the Pelicans guards, um, yeah, you would think that 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 he's going to get a chance to play. I know Sam Van Gundy mentioned before the game Sunday, he was he was like basically, you know, I only have three guards available. And then Nikhil gets hurt during the game. So you're down to two guys. So um, that's one of the things that I'm definitely the most interested to see tonight is how are the guard minutes divvied up between, you know, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, and then Isaiah Thomas, and they might have to move a forward or two into the backcourt some and play some minutes. So, but, but I mean, the other thing too, based on the way that Isaiah Thomas um, 
spoke about his, his physical condition. I'm excited as well, just to see what he can do. I mean, to everyone remembers back, it wasn't that long ago, three or four years where he was one of the best players in the league and was, I think he was close, either top five MVP or close to close to that with Boston, that one season that he was just incredible. So um, excited to see what he can bring. And obviously he was a name that when you see the news of Pelican signing him to a, even a 10 day contract, you, you perk up because you know what he, he's been capable of when he's been at his best during his career. Hey, two-time all-star. And he talked about, you know, trying just to be there as a, a veteran leader. And I think that's something that with a young team like this, you, you've seen that already from James Johnson, what he's been able to do with the team that certainly helps with a team that's fighting for a playoff spot or a play in spot. They have another guy IT and see the path that he's taken to get back to where he is. I uh, hopefully motivate some guys when they're able to get back and get healthy. But let's talk about that, Jim, the, the play in scenario and hard to believe based on the injuries and, and how things have gone. The roller coaster ride we've seen since the all-star break, the Pelicans are just a half game out of that 10 spot with golden state kind of reeling a little bit with the absence of Steph Curry. They play Milwaukee tonight. And this is what you wanted at the beginning of the season. You wanted to be scoreboard watching and one, I can't believe we're only 23 games left in the regular season. Just it's been crazy how the schedule has gone, but even so now's the time to be looking at these teams and, you know, you could be right there with a, a loss by the Warriors and a win tonight. You could be sitting in 10th, which is really surprising to say uh, just based on how things have gone. You know, one, one quick aside that, I thought of when you were talking about you can't believe how there's 23 games left in the season. This is a whole other conversation, but I like the 72 game season because I think it creates more urgency. It feels like you get to the point of crunch time of the season much quicker than, than before. I think if there was 33 games left in the season, we'd still be kind of in that dog days mode of the, of the year, but going back to, you know, the standings and the situation um, for them to be able to be, potentially in 10th place after tonight is pretty incredible. If you think about, you know, the situation overall, obviously, as you referenced, the way Golden State has played lately has brought a bunch of teams back into the race or given teams a chance, including, you know, Sacramento and OKC is not that far out, even though I know that they're, that's not their focus right now. Um, another team, San Antonio has kind of come back to the pack lately. I think they're two and eight in their last 10 games and they're only two and a half games ahead of the Pelicans. They're still, another game between the Spurs and the Pelicans remaining um, later this month, I think it is in new Orleans, which will, that'll also determine the tiebreaker. So not only am I looking at golden state right now, but obviously as you get down towards the end of the season, you want to have as many possible ways to get in the playoffs as, as you can. You don't want it to just be reliant on, okay, we need this one team to lose. So if the Pelicans can win some games and, and keep moving up the standings and getting closer to some of the other teams, including San Antonio and even maybe even Memphis, um, your odds of being able to get in there somehow, some way, I think will go up. So, but I do think that tonight's game is very important. I mean, you're playing Brooklyn tomorrow in a back-to-back. I'm not sure what their status of their main guys is, but um, I am also encouraged by the way the Pelicans have been playing on the road. They've won three straight on the road um, against good teams. So I, although I know Houston is struggling, but before they, they beat Denver and Boston, which are two pretty tough places to play. So I'm, I'm encouraged. I think that, to be, be in the situation in, in early April with six weeks left in the season, I, I think it could be, even if you hope that the Pelicans can get in to play in, and that will be a great experience, but just being in this, this race, I think also is a big plus. Yeah. I'm glad he brought up the schedule because I know it favors the Pelicans here, but also favors them if they are healthy. And I'm sure the Pelicans are just trying to, you know, 
take every day as a different day just based on what they have. But three of your next four games are against three of the four top teams in the East. I know it's a little different in the East and the West, but Atlanta's still two games over 500 and been playing really good ball since uh, Nate McMillan took over. But, you know, Brooklyn and Philly are battling one and two, and Atlanta's sticking there at four. Then you have Cleveland, Sacramento, Knicks you still haven't seen, Washington, New York. I mean, it's a really good opportunity if you can get a couple of these games this week um, and also maybe buy some time for some of these guys to get back healthy. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, should be a fun one tonight, Jim. And I'm and I looking forward to it. And I appreciate your time on today's podcast. Sure. Always good talking with you. Yeah. So tonight, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. I know Jim and I enjoy an early start here, 30, even if it is 30 minutes. You can watch it on Bally Sports New Orleans. I almost said it, but I didn't. Bally Sports New Orleans. You can listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Pre-game coverage on both starting at 6 o'clock. And then Jim will be back tomorrow on the podcast as we welcome in the play-by-play announcer and analyst Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels from Valley Sports New Orleans as we'll hopefully be breaking down a Hawks win and uh, a win against the Hawks and then also a preview of a big matchup against the Brooklyn Nets. All right, that'll do it for this podcast. This podcast, I should say, for Jim and a big thanks to Dominique Wilkins. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.